Welcome to A Journey Through the Message. My name is Robert. And my name is Heidi. And we are absolutely delighted that you are in the car on this crazy journey through the Bible with us. I didn't know that we were in the car. I gotta well, put my seatbelt on. Well, real is it quick. a car or is it a school bus? I mean, how big is the audience here? Oh, well, I'm hoping that we have like a Greyhound. Let's Ooh, do it could a be Greyhound a Greyhound bus. So keep picking people up as we go. So keep your eyes forward, buckle up that seat, and <laughs> get ready for an adventure because we are in the Bible today and Can- it is fantastic. Who's, who's navigating? Oh, definitely Jesus. Okay, good. Jesus always takes the wheel. Oh, I think there's a song about <laughs> Is that. there? I don't know. We may have to pay like licensing fees in order for me to play a little snippet of that. And we are definitely not at that point in this podcast. And that's so good because it's it's not a favorite. I'm, I'm so really, sorry. I mean, I'm not a country music fan. So no. sorry for those of you who are. It's just... Some of it is okay. My grandma used to like the twangy gospel country. Oh, yes. And, uh, oh, yes. yeah, so I grew up on some of that, so. Oh, not me. I, I grew up on good old Salter hymnals. Oh, the blue one, I'm assuming. The, oh, the Salter. I'm sorry. It didn't say hymnal. It literally just said the Salter. Oh, the Salter. The Salter. And, friends, if you're not familiar with the Salter, we are not talking... <laughs> about a big truck that goes out when it's super icy. That is not what we are talking about. This is a blue hymnal book that in some churches is regarded as religion. It's regarded as the only acceptable book that you can sing out of during the church service. The only one. And I find that funny because, friends, if... If this is your first time joining us or if this if you've been along with the ride for 40 some episodes, you know, I like to think that the God that I serve is a pretty big God and mm-hmm. he is not limited by what is in that Psalter <laughs> hymnal. He's not limited to us worshiping him based off of what's in some book. So don't ever allow a man or an institution or anything try to tell you Exactly how you can worship your God, right. our God, the God. God. Yes. Man doesn't get to tell you how you get to worship the God. I always found it interesting that the rule was then you can only use the King James Version, the only acceptable one. Mm. And you can only sing out of this altar during church. So now both of those were written in more modern times, shall we say, than the Bible. So did God suddenly tell King James, you are going to be the official writer of my word and no other is acceptable because it was think, pretty political. I don't even think the king wrote any of it. No, he had it done for political <laughs> right. reasons. And just slapped his name on it so that he could live in infamy. And then the Psalter to pair with it being the only, because God, I believe, has given so many talents to so many people. Yes. And I love seeing people use them, including songwriters. Keep writing those songs because, man, I love some good praise music. Yes. And uh, so all that to be said. Relax in your relationship with God and talk with him, converse with him. If you're not sure, take it to God. 
God is concerned about the sincerity of your heart. If your worship is sincere and it's meaningful and it is you loving God, I'm telling you, you're doing it the right way. Yep. So Father God, always just give us that peace that when we worship you, that we are connecting with you, that you are right there with us. You have told us time and time again in scripture that wherever there's two or more gathered, right? That you are going to be right there with us. So we know today you're here with Heidi and I and whoever's out there listening. That's the beautiful thing about what we're doing here. Yes. Is that we don't know who else it is, but as soon as you start listening, because our spirit is in it as well, then God is right there with us all. Thank you, God, for being in the house. Mm. So, Father God, just bless our reading today. Whoever's out there that needs a little extra dose of encouragement and just a pick-me-up, you got this, and God's got this, Mm. and don't forget that. So, Father God, I ask this all in your holy name. I pray, amen. Amen. And we are going to switch things up just a little bit today. I'm going to read Matthew 18, and Heidi's going to give us some commentary on Matthew 18. Oh, see, initially when you brought that up, I'm like, I'm being demoted. Oh, no. He's going to let me, he's going to allow me to read just one chapter. I wanted to read this so that you would have an opportunity to really soak it in. And then this is our second, I'm just going to interject here and say, this is our second time doing this podcast because we had a uh, bad I don't even know what it was. There was a glitch and we were literally at the very end of recording. And then all of a sudden it was all gone in a snap without saving. Vanished. And friends, I don't have a lot of hair on my head, but what was left was pulled out. (laughs) Yes. There's nothing like being so close to being finished. And all of a sudden your computer screen is completely cleared and it was just late enough that night where i was like i am not doing this oh this poor husband of mine i'm like i know it's gone but he is like i'm looking through the computer anyways like just praying and hoping like maybe it got hidden in this file over here and you never know but i'm like maybe there was something else that god wants us to find so when that happens we often switch it up just a little bit And we have found that when we do that, it works out for the better. It was a very emotional read, though, too. So, and maybe it was necessary for me to sit with that personally Mm. and not share that one because it was deeply, deeply personal and moving for me. So, I will be reading out of Matthew 18 and reading verses 1 through 14. At about the same time, the disciples came to Jesus asking, Who gets the highest rank in God's kingdom? For an answer, Jesus called over a child, whom he stood in the middle of the room, and said, I'm telling you once and for all, that unless you return to square one and start over like children, you are not even going to get a look at the kingdom, let alone get in. Whoever becomes simple and elemental again, like this child, will rank high in God's kingdom. What's more, when you receive the childlike on my account, it's the same as receiving me. 
But if you give them a hard time bullying or taking advantage of their simple trust, you'll soon wish you hadn't. You'd be better dropped off in the middle of the lake with a millstone around your neck, doomed to the world for giving these God-believing children a hard time. Hard times are inevitable. But you, you don't have to make it worse. And it's doomsday to you if you do. If your hand or your foot gets in the way of God, chop it off. Throw it away. You're better off maimed or lame and alive than the proud owners of two hands and two feet, godless in a furnace of eternal fire. And if your eye distracts you from God, pull it out and throw it away. You're better off one-eyed and alive than exercising your 20-20 vision from inside the fire of hell. Watch that you don't treat a single one of these childlike believers arrogantly. You realize, don't you, that their personal angels are constantly in touch with my Father in heaven? Look at it this way. If someone has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders off, doesn't he leave the 99 and go after the one? And if he finds it, doesn't he make far more over it than the 99 who stay put? Your father in heaven feels the same way. He doesn't want to lose even one of these simple believers. And that's the end of the reading today. Man, it's uh, we're on a Jesus cliffhanger here because he's like right in the middle of giving some good stuff. I so want to keep on reading. I I want it to stop mm. right where it is and think about it. Because there's it so much inside of just those first 14 verses. I love that it was grouped with because it was separated in my yes. in yeah, mind. Yeah, separated in mind. But it added that he left the 99 to go after and because I I had the experience in life of being the one I've, I've had that experience but um, I'm going to go back to where you started mm-hmm. and I couldn't shake the feeling the whole entire time that I dare say most adult Christians should be convicted by those words like you need to stop and hear it Stop with your petty bickering. Stop with all the rules and the traditions and the legalism, mm. the infighting, and I'm the best or we're the best or I'm the one true church as one. We just I'm, we just heard a YouTube oh. video from a local uh, from a local denomination yeah. this evening, and he literally said, literally, literally said myself and the other pastor that's over at this other church, part of this denomination, we won't say which one, but uh, so it's these two pastors are literally the mouth of Jesus. Jesus. Period. Those two. Those two. In the whole world. Those two. And he and they said that. I, get I, I sounded a little testy saying that in, I won't name them openly. I will say that this church split off from the church that I was raised in. I believe both of them are kind of two peas in a pod. They both believe themselves to be the only true church. And I came from that background. And I think I talk about this so strongly. And I know that people can often see my emotions in it. But 
this was my upbringing. I literally believed that we were the best. We were the only truth. I believed all that garbage. And they never bothered to teach me about that personal relationship with Jesus. And that's the only thing that matters. Yeah. That's what matters. When Jesus said, you need to have faith like a child, he wasn't just making it up to fill some time. He meant it. He needs you to hear it. So if you're wasting time trying to figure out who's the best, who's got it right, you can only sing out of this book or this has to look this way and heaven forbid these people should come here, Jesus is going to have some words with you. You need revisit your faith life Mm -hmm. and see if it matches the words of Jesus. And if it doesn't, just say, man, God... Help me with this and bring me to where you want me to be. And I'm saying this to you, if that may be you, I don't know. But if you're like, I kind of have some of that thinking. I'm kind of in that, but church should look like this and church has to look like this and all of these things. I'm telling you on the other side of it, the freedom and joy to be found in that childlike faith that Jesus said is worth it. Yes. Go find it. Yep. Go find it. That's all I got to say. Amen. Now I could no, go all no, night, I, so I believe it's I, just personal experiences and it just impacts me profoundly. Yep. No, I agree with you. And there's nothing wrong with tradition until your tradition becomes your religion. I love that song we sang in church. Mm-hmm. Get rid of your tradition and your religion. Yeah. Just and just be filled with Jesus. And now Heidi will be picking yes. up in Acts. <laughs> I'm done with my mini sermon. So sorry. Switch it up here just a little bit. So yeah, Heidi's picking up in Acts. She's reading All Acts right. chapter 25, verses 1 through 12. Here we go. Three days after Festus arrived in Caesarea to take up his duties as governor, he went up to Jerusalem. The high priests and top leaders renewed their vendetta against Paul. They asked Festus if he wouldn't please do them a favor by sending Paul to Jerusalem to respond to their charges. A lie, of course. They had revived their old plot to set an ambush and kill him along the way. Festus answered that Caesarea was the proper jurisdiction for Paul and that he himself was going back there in a few days. You're perfectly welcome, he said, to go back with me then and accuse him of whatever you think he's done wrong. About eight or ten days later, Festus returned to Caesarea. The next morning, he took his place in the courtroom and had Paul brought in. The minute he walked in, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem were all over him, hurling the most extreme accusations, none of which they could prove. Then Paul took the stand and said simply, I've done nothing wrong against the Jewish religion or the temple or Caesar, period. Festus, though, wanted to get on the good side of the Jews and so said, How would you like to go up to Jerusalem and let me conduct your trial there? Paul answered, I'm standing at this moment before Caesar's bar of justice, where I have a perfect right to stand, and I'm going to keep standing here. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> I've done nothing wrong to the Jews, and you know it as well as I do. If I've committed a crime and deserve death, name the day. I can face it. But if there's nothing to their accusations, and you know there isn't, nobody can force me to go along with their nonsense. We fooled around here long enough. I appeal to Caesar. Festus huddled with his advisors briefly and then gave his verdict. You've appealed to Caesar. You'll go to Caesar. I love how he has that card in his pocket and he didn't play it right away. He knew, but he was like, enough is enough. I've been playing with y'all long enough. It's time for me to see the man. You can tell that he is a very, very highly educated man. He knows the way of the legal system. He knows the rights of a country. Mm -hmm. He knows all the rules. He knows all the regulations, all of it. Right. And uh, yeah, he's not fly by night or just happenstance. He's he doesn't mind being the center of attention either. Yeah, he's comfortable. God knew what he was doing when he met him on that road. I kind of think God always knew what he was doing. I'm pretty sure. He always does. (laughs) And he even knew what they were doing back in the Old Testament. And that's where we are rewinding back to. I like how you just brought that right around. So we are reading today uh, Psalm 40. I had a hard time reading this one last time, too. It's... uh, I think I'm going to be doing a lot better with it Good. this time. I've, it's a great psalm. Uh, things aren't quite as fresh like they were when I first yeah. read it. So I waited and waited and waited for God. At last he looked. Finally he listened. He lifted me out of the ditch, pulled me from the deep mud. He stood me up on a solid rock to make sure I wouldn't slip. He taught me how to sing the latest God song, a praise song to our God. More and more people are seeing this. They enter the mystery, abandoning themselves to God. Blessed are you who give yourselves over to God. Turn your backs on the world's sure thing. Ignore what the world worships. The world's a huge stockpile of God wonders and God thoughts. Nothing and no one compares to you. I start talking about you, telling what I know, and quickly run out of words. Mm. Neither numbers nor words account for you. Doing something for you, bringing something to you, that's not what you're after. Being religious, acting pious, that's not what you're asking for. You've opened my ears so I can listen. So I answered, I'm coming. I read in your letter what you wrote about me, and I'm coming to the party you're throwing for me. That's when God's word entered my life, (laughs) became part of my very being. What a beautiful verse. I know. That's when God's word entered my life and became a part of my very being. I know. I had the tears in Mm. my eyes. I've preached you to the whole congregation. I've kept back nothing. God, you know that. I didn't keep the news of your ways a secret, didn't keep it to myself. I told it all, how dependable you are, how thorough. I didn't hold back pieces of love and truth. For myself alone, 
I told it all. Let the congregation know the whole story. Now, God, don't hold out on me. Don't hold back your passion. Your love and truth are all that keeps me together. When troubles ganged up on me, a mob of sins past counting, I was so swamped by guilt I couldn't see my way clear. More guilt in my heart than hair on my head, so heavy the guilt that my heart gave out. Soften up, God, and intervene. Hurry and get me some help, so those who are trying to kidnap my soul will be embarrassed and lose face, so anyone who gets a kick out of making me miserable will be heckled and disgraced, so those who pray for my ruin will be booed and jeered without mercy. But all who are hunting for you, oh, let them sing and be happy. Let those who know what you're all about tell the world you're great and not quitting. And me? I'm a mess. I'm nothing and have nothing. Make something of me. You can do it. You've got what it takes. But God... Don't put it off. Hmm. I love how that ties in really to Paul in Acts so well. Just, I'm here, I've got your word inside of me now, and I am proclaiming in front of the congregation. Paul is using the stage that he has to proclaim everything that God has done and is doing. Now... Look at it and think about Matthew 18. Sure. Yeah, no, I know they all Think of what it says to the Mm -hmm. one who was hurt by people calling themselves Christian. I've got you. I've got you. Yeah. Yeah. God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is Mm. good. Amen. And amen. And now... I am picking back up in Leviticus. Everybody's favorite book of the Bible. That's right. I mean, did you ever really think that you were going to have this much fun reading through Leviticus? I mean, when's answer me this honestly. Like, you can put it in the comments or maybe go on the Facebook group. But when is the last time you really spent any time in Leviticus? For me... That was way back in like 2013 or 2014, probably at least 10 years when I was in prison and I had nothing else to read. (laughs) But that to be said, like, I just haven't spent a lot of time in that. And now that I am spending more time and it's not a chore really to read or like I'm just checking off a box to get through it. I'm really seeing a lot of nuggets of just how God cares because he knew his people were getting ready to go into a land where they were going to be bombarded with sin, with just bad stuff. And he wanted them to know, this is your path back to me. And I want you to know that I'm there for you. And yeah, I'm bigger than all of these gods Mm -hmm. that you're going to encounter. They're going to tempt you. I am so much bigger. And I need you to look different than them. Another idea that struck me, because I often think now about Leviticus, go figure, and all the different things, but 
it's like the blood on the toe mm-hmm. and the thumb in that. And I'm like, is that because Jesus was nailed through the feet and the hands? Is that why the blood was on the hands and the feet of the priests also? Because it's all representative of the, the Jesus of the that's coming. All I have for you today is just the hands and feet observation. Right. I'll get back to you on the all lobe. Right. I talked about the low, the liver and the kidney. Yep. I'm probably way wrong, but they're the body's filters. And yep. Anyways. Well, on. here we go. Leviticus chapter 8. God spoke to Moses. He said, Take Aaron and with him his sons, the garments, the anointing oil, the bowl for the absolution offering, the two rams, and the basket of unraised bread. Gather the entire congregation at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Moses did just as God had commanded him, and the congregation gathered at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Moses addressed the congregation, This is what God has commanded to be done. Moses brought Aaron and his sons forward and washed them with water. He put the tunic on Aaron and tied it around him with a sash. And then he put the robe on him and placed the ephod on him. He fastened the ephod with a woven belt, making it snug, and he put the breastpiece on him and put the urim and the thummim in the pouch of the breastpiece. He placed the turban on his head with the gold plate fixed to the front of it, the holy crown, just as God had commanded Moses. Then Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the dwelling and everything that was in it, consecrating them. He sprinkled some of the oil on the altar seven times, anointing the altar with all of its utensils, the wash basin and its stand, consecrating them, and he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head, anointing him and thus consecrating him. Moses brought Aaron's sons forward and put tunics on them, belted them with sashes, and put caps on them, just as God had commanded Moses. Moses brought out the bull for the absolution offering. Aaron and his sons placed their hands on its head. Moses slaughtered the bull and purified the altar by smearing the blood on each of the horns of the altar with his finger. He poured out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. He consecrated it so atonement could be made on it. Moses took all of the fat on the entrails and the lobe of the liver and the two kidneys with their fat, and burned it all on the altar. The bull with its hide and meat and guts he burned outside the camp, just as God had commanded Moses. Moses presented the ram for the whole burnt offering. Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram. Moses slaughtered it and splashed the blood against all sides of the altar. He cut the ram up into pieces and then burned the head, the pieces, and the fat. He washed the entrails and the legs with water and then burned the whole ram on the altar. It was a whole burnt offering, a pleasing fragrance, a gift to God, just as God had commanded Moses. Moses then presented the second ram, the ram for the ordination offering. Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the ram's head. Moses slaughtered it and smeared some of its blood on the lobe of Aaron's right ear, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. 
Then Aaron's sons were brought forward, and Aaron smeared some of the blood on the lobes of their right ears, on the thumbs of their right hands, and on the big toes of their right feet. Moses threw the remaining blood against each side of the altar. He took the fat, the fat tail, all of the fat that was on the entrails, the lobe of the liver, the two kidneys with their fat, and the right thigh. From the basket of unraised bread that was in the presence of God, he took one loaf of the unraised bread made with oil and one wafer. He placed these on the fat portions and the right thigh. He put all of this in the hands of Aaron and his sons who waved them before God as a wave offering. Then Moses took it all back from their hands and burned them on the altar on top of the whole burnt offering. These were the ordination offerings, a pleasing fragrance to God, a gift to God. Then Moses took the breast and raised it up as a wave offering before God. It was Moses' portion from the ordination offering ram, just as God had commanded Moses. Moses took some of the anointing oil and some of the blood from the altar and sprinkled Aaron and his garments and his sons and their garments, consecrating Aaron and his garments and his sons and their garments. Moses spoke to Aaron and his sons. Boil the meat at the entrance of the tent of meeting and eat it there with the bread from the basket of ordination, just as I had commanded, saying Aaron and his sons are to eat it. Burn up the leftovers from the meat and bread. Don't leave through the entrance of the tent of meeting for seven days that will complete your ordination. Your ordination will last seven days. God commanded that what has been done this day in order to make atonement for you. Stay at the entrance of the tent of meeting day and night for seven days. Be sure to do what God requires, lest you die. This is what I have been commanded. Aaron and his sons did everything that God had commanded by Moses. Leviticus 9 On the eighth day, Moses called in Aaron and his sons and the leaders of Israel. He spoke to Aaron, Take a bull calf for your absolution offering and a ram for your whole burnt offering, both without defect, and offer them to God. Then tell the people of Israel, Take a male goat for an absolution offering and a calf and a lamb, both yearlings without defect, for a whole burnt offering and a bull and a ram for a peace offering, both to be sacrificed before God with a grain offering mixed with oil, because God will appear to you today. They brought the things that Moses ordered to the tent of meeting. The whole congregation came near and stood before God. Moses said, This is what God commanded you to do so that the shining glory of God will appear to you. Moses instructed Aaron, Approach the altar and sacrifice your absolution offering and your whole burnt offering. Make atonement for yourself and for the people. Sacrifice the offering that is for the people and make atonement for them, just as God had commanded. Aaron approached the altar and slaughtered the calf as an absolution offering for himself. Aaron's sons brought the blood to him. He dipped his finger in the blood and smeared some of it on the horns of the altar. 
He poured out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. He burned the fat, the kidneys, and the lobe of the liver from the absolution offering on the altar, just as God had commanded Moses. He burned the meat and the skin outside the camp. Then he slaughtered the whole burnt offering. Aaron's sons handed him the blood and he threw it against each side of the altar. They handed him the pieces and the head and he burned these on the altar. He washed the entrails and the legs and then burned them on top of the whole burnt offering on the altar. Next, Aaron presented the offerings of the people. He took the male goat, the absolution offering for the people, slaughtered it, and then offered it as an absolution offering, just as he did with the first offering. He presented the whole burnt offering following the same procedures. He presented the grain offering by taking a handful of it and burning it on the altar along with the whole burnt offering. He slaughtered the bull and the ram, the people's peace offerings. Aaron's son handed him the blood and then he threw it against each side of the altar. The fat pieces from the bull and the ram, the fat tail and the fat that covers the kidney, and the lobe of the liver. They laid on the breasts and Aaron burned it on the altar. Aaron waved the breast and the right thigh before God as a wave offering, just as God had commanded. Aaron lifted his hands over the people and blessed them. Having completed the rituals of the absolution offering, the whole burnt offering, and the peace offering, he came down from the altar. Moses and Aaron entered the tent of meeting. When they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of God appeared to all the people. Fire blazed out from God and consumed the whole burnt offering and the fat pieces that were on the altar. When all of the people saw it happen, they cheered loudly and then fell down, bowing in reverence. Leviticus chapter 10. That same day, Nadab and Abihu, Aaron's sons, took their censers, put hot coals and incense in them, and offered strange fire to God, something that God had not commanded. Fire blazed out from God and consumed them. They died in God's presence. Moses said to Aaron, This is what God meant when he said, To the one who comes near me, I will show myself holy. Before all the people, I will show my glory. Aaron was silent. Moses called for Mishael and Elzaphan sons of Uziel, Aaron's uncle. He said, Come, carry your dead cousins outside camp, away from the sanctuary. They came and carried them off outside the camp, just as Moses had directed. Moses then said to Aaron and his remaining sons, Eleazar and Ithamar, No mourning rituals for you, unkempt hair and torn clothes, or you will also die and God will be angry with the whole congregation. Your relatives, all the people of Israel, in fact, will do the mourning over those that God has destroyed by fire. And don't leave the entrance to the tent of meeting lest you die, because God's anointing oil is on you. They did just as Moses said. 
There's a quick little pause here, just a brief paragraph about God's anger here. It says, here and there in the pages of the Old Testament, including verse 6 in this passage, there are references to God being angry with his people. It's important to note that in Scripture, God's anger is always evidence of his concern, his involvement, and his commitment to his people. God isn't indifferent to us. He isn't unconcerned about us. And he isn't judicially objective about us. He created us and saved us. He has plans for us. A painfully achieved, deeply experienced redemption has been enacted so that we can experience the love of God. And that love is a jealous love that tolerates neither rivals nor rebellion nor negligence. It's powerful. It is, yeah. No, I'm glad that you read that because I'm just reading that and I'm like, I couldn't even imagine in their father... The command comes, yeah. you can't even mourn. Yeah. You can't look like you're mourning, act like you're mourning, or anything. Yep. Get two more sons and keep on going. Who can I you, know. I mean, who can imagine? I know. Imagine that. But God did say they would be mourned. It just couldn't be by them because they had a job to do. Yeah. Picking back up here, God instructed Aaron. When you enter the tent of meeting, don't drink wine or strong drink, neither you nor your sons, lest you die. This is a fixed rule down through the generations. We don't really want drunk pastors up there. Like, can you imagine going to church and like your pastor's just kind of little wasted, sucking down communion cups and stuff? I mean, it would be a mess. I think this is a good rule here. I have to agree with that. <laughs> well, it's a fixed rule down through the generations. I think this one's stuck. I mean, well, fixed rule usually does mean, I mean that it has to stay. Put. Distinguish between the holy and the common, between the ritually clean and unclean. Teach the people of Israel all the decrees that God has spoken to them through Moses. Moses spoke to Aaron and his surviving sons Eleazar and Ithamar. Take the leftovers of the grain offering from the fire gifts for God and eat beside the altar that which has been prepared without yeast, for it is most holy. Eat it in the holy place because it is your portion and the portion of your sons from the fire gifts for God. This is what God commanded me. Also, You and your sons and daughters are to eat the breast of the wave offering and the thigh of the contribution in a clean place. And the thigh of the contribution offering in a clean place. They are provided as your portion and the portion of your children from the peace offerings presented by the people of Israel. Bring the thigh of the contribution offering and the breast of the wave offering and the fat pieces of the fire gifts and lift them up as a wave offering. This will be the regular share for you and your children as ordered by God. How do you distinguish, this is again a quick little pause. Okay. How do you distinguish between the holy and the common, between the ritually clean and unclean? What do you think is the difference between being unclean and having sinned? 
Huh. I know. It doesn't need an answer. It's just one of those reflective. Something to think about. When Moses looked into the matter of the goat of the absolution offering, he found that it had been burned up. He became angry with Eleazar and Ithamar, Aaron's remaining sons, and asked, Why didn't you eat the absolution offering in the holy place since it is most holy? The offering was given to you for taking away the guilt of the community by making atonement for them before God. Since its blood was not taken into the holy place, you should have eaten the goat in the sanctuary as I commanded. Aaron replied to Moses, Look, they sacrificed their absolution offering and whole burnt offering before God today, and you see what has happened to me. I've lost two sons. Do you think that God would have been pleased if I had gone ahead and eaten the absolution offering today? When Moses heard his response, he accepted it. Mm. And friends, that's the end of Leviticus 10. Ugh. Powerful stuff, though, especially for a father. He's mourning. He's, he's absolutely children. mourning. Yeah. I can't yes. even imagine being in that spot and, you know, hey, sorry, there's a job to do. It's not your job to mourn. Hey, there's his burned up yeah. boys yeah. calling someone else to go haul them off. Aaron, you just keep on working. And they're and, not allowed to leave. Right, that so the right. burial, everything else, they're not even a part of that. So obedience. Yeah. I know sometimes, some things it's hard. Sometimes it's hard. And sometimes God asks a lot of us. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he gives us little things and he's wondering and seeing, what are you going to do with those little things? Are you ready for the bigger things? I'm going to give you this little bit here. I'm going to see what you do with it. What kind of fruit comes of it? And is that, I believe we're given those experiences all the time. And it's up to us then at that point to say, this is our offering back to you, God. This is what I did with what you entrusted to me. Mm -hmm. And this is my offering back to you. And then he says, well done. Well done. I'm going to give you something else now. As long as you keep saying, I'm open to whatever you want to do. Mm. I'm here. I'm Whatever you want to do, I'm here. Whatever gift you want to give me, I'm here. I just want to operate in you. Yeah, and be ready. Mm-hmm. Because you may think you know what gift you have that God's going to want you. Oh, man. Y- you don't know. It, it's <laughs> usually gonna... something you're not comfortable with. Yeah, he'll call you to the one thing that you'd be like, yeah, no, never. Because... Yeah. I've got a few of those things on my plate, and I'm like, how in the world did I get in this situation? Because it's not who I thought I was, but I'm finding out that it's exactly who I was meant to be. If you read a story about a little girl with your exact story, but you only got to a certain point in that story, right? Like you were reading the book, you would have never guessed that part of the later chapters would have included anything like what you're going to same thing for me i if you would have read my growing up story and Mm -hmm. things that i had gone through and then maybe cut it off like in my Mm mid-20s you'd have been like this dude is on his way to destruction i probably wouldn't have said that's the love of my life the man i'm gonna marry 
I was still that guy. I just had a whole bunch oh. of junk on top of me. <laughs> yes, I. But I you know, wouldn't have recognized. I don't think it. we would have recognized each other as this is the person that is that little missing puzzle piece. Yes. Yeah. Like I like to say, our cakes were still baking. We weren't quite done oh, in the middle yet. Yeah. So. And for a while there, like my cake was like I was baking it for. a 425 and then i'm like oh change the temperature and i go down to 375 i was all over the place (laughs) the great thing about god is that he has a way of bringing clarity to your purpose and if there's anything that i have felt that has changed in my life in the last two weeks Mm. it has been that clarity of purpose and just a drive and a fire that I'm on the right path. I'm doing the right thing. This is exactly what I need to do. And uh, keep moving forward. Keep teaching yourself. Yeah, many, many confirmations. So thank you for sharing that. Mm. Thank you. And coming up here soon, one of the other little projects and really what I want the foundation of Set Free 24-7 to be. Yes. We are going to start highlighting some people's stories. Oh, and that is so wait. near and dear to my heart because I love reaching out to friends, people that just I cross paths with. I love giving them the space to be able to tell their story. And we were so blessed the other night. We had a, a friend of ours over. His name is David. Mm-hmm. David, if you're listening, what's up? Uh, we had him and his girlfriend, Elizabeth, over, fiance. Yes, um, yes. And They're wonderful. They are wonderful. And we had a great time with them. And for about an hour, David and I just sat down and talked about the details of his life. And it was amazing. It was yeah. amazing to see how God had worked in his life. And I brought up things to him and he was like, oh, I didn't even think about it like that. Or, And it was just so evident how God. God had placed certain people in his life for such a time as this. I am endlessly amazed at the story everybody has. I might think I know somebody Mm -hmm. or I think I have somebody all figured out. I made, I'll just say it, I've judged people and I have been so, Mm -hmm. so wrong. So don't make assumptions of people. Get to know them and talk with them. And ask them about their story. Yeah. Or listen to us as we get some stories recorded. It's- yeah. And so we are definitely working on that piece right now. And we plan to start incorporating some of that in. And we hope that you are blessed by some of these stories of adversity and just how people have chosen to react through, through some of that. And then also how they are now in what they're doing living in the freedom that they're living in my favorites are the people that aren't afraid to say you know what i really blew it oh yeah you know this came along in life and yeah i I blew it i didn't respond well i didn't react well i made some really lousy choices and decisions but that redemption story becomes all Mm. the more beautiful so Don't get too caught up on somebody's Mm -hmm. past. Be a little more concerned with their present. And friends, just like that, we are done again. 
This has been a great little ride through the Bible. I hope that you have been blessed by our reading. This has been an absolute blessing. I'm glad we went through this again the second time. Yes, it was good and a lot less tears. Trust me, you may... Yes, it was good for me the first time. You probably prefer this one. (laughs) So thanks again for joining along on this journey through the message. We are always excited to chat with you. If there's any verses or anything in here that may have stood out to you, feel free to drop it down in the comments. We also have a Facebook group and there's going to be a link in the comments for that. So if you would like to continue the conversation with us there, we're going to try to post a little bit more in there with uh, some fun things and just we love interacting with people. And the Bible is such a unique thing to interact with people on. And no matter where you're at on this journey of faith, even if you're on that journey, if you're just following along because you think we are the bee's knees, I agree. We are the bee's (laughs) knees. But we are so happy that you're here. We hope that this is a safe place for you to explore just whatever stage of the journey you're on. Yes, we're just happy you're on the journey wherever that might be. Thanks again, friends, for joining along, and we will see you next time on the Journey Through the Message.